This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Kia ora e welcome to the AA Live radio show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. It is lovely to have you out there listening this evening and I am lucky tonight because I have one of my friends from the fellowship, Tony, welcome. Yeah, thanks Jen, it's uh, lovely to be on uh, tonight and be invited back, um, so appreciate it. Uh, yeah, nice to be here. Good yes. to have you here. What have you been up to since you rejected us and left? Oh, look, I've been <laughs> busy. Come on. Um, yeah, I've. I have never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. So and that's how it works. Yeah, and that's um, you know, uh, we've when you give up drinking, you know, and life gets in the way again, um, you end up being busy, don't you? So, yes, you do. Yeah. You do. It's quite amazing. I'm thinking we should open with the Serenity Prayer. How about it? Sounds great. Okay. God, God grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change. change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Lovely, thank you. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous Votes is a service which involves recovering alcoholics, supporting other alcoholics who want to stop drinking. And we do this through the 12 steps of recovery and 12 traditions of AA. It is based purely on volunteers within the fellowship. We all come in and we look out for each other. Mm. Um, We find our way. Sometimes that's with a stumble, but mostly people are there to pick us up. And uh, I tell you, I'll read the preamble of AA that we read at the beginning of each meeting first because that explains it quite well. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And we read that at the beginning of every meeting. So just so you know, folks, this, uh... Yeah, well, that's right. We're, the show, I guess, it, 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 we offer our opinions, and you know, that's just that there are our opinions uh, on the show, um, and hopefully that sparks some discussion. But they're not necessarily the opinions of AA as a whole. So it's a good little disclaimer to have, just in case uh, someone out there's going, I don't think that's quite right. Well, that's our opinion, <laughs> so, and we're quite happy to own not quite right. Well, that's right. I mean, I, you know, I like to think that we are reading from the AA literature. So. I was having uh, my friend Tony on earlier on about something that he says quite often. I've just written it on a piece of paper, and now he's looking at the game. What are you doing? Anyway, folks, I would like to put uh, one of Tony's songs on, and he's chosen something quite fun for us today. But I want to let you know that you are listening to the AA Live show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Enjoy the song. We'll be back with you shortly. Watch around the river bend. Make sure 
While we were uh, listening to that, we were just having a discussion about some of the music that we used to listen to 20-odd years ago, reminiscing over uh, a time when I was at a concert. This is the stupid, gnarly, crazy stuff you do when you're under the influence. Well, music's emotive, isn't it, in the sense that it's very easy to have memories with a song that plays on the radio in yes. particular. I can remember what I was doing perhaps when I first heard the song or if it was played, you know, uh, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's a very emotive thing, is it? Yeah, we were talking about the Stranglers and, and I remember quite distinctly jumping out of a helicopter at a rock concert on a farm out the back of Palmerston North just as uh, something I had taken was <laughs> starting to kick in and make the world look pretty rosy and great and the stranglers were coming on stage and just starting and it's just such a happy memory. Yes. It amazes me the insanity of what we've put in our bodies and how you can remember the good times because I will go straight back to that good time, the time I had that night or weekend, rather than the horrible time and where I was at before I had to walk into the doors of the rooms of AA. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not every time I had was a terrible experience. Mm. I think in the last years, things have become terrible generally. The addiction had um, well and truly kicked in and taken over most areas of my life. But to say that every time was terrible is not true. There were some... Um, in camaraderie, uh, you know, in the big book talks about camaraderie and, and you know, a fortification against boredom and all those things. And, um, you know, it wasn't always bad. Uh, however, when uh, the addiction superseded all common sense and all boundaries and um, started to affect people around me, not only myself, but, you know, loved ones and, yes. and work and job and all that stuff. Um, it was time to let go, and by that stage, I couldn't. 
Yeah, well said. It is true. All right, on that note, let's uh, introduce the daily reflection as a bit of a spirit lifter. Righto. This is uh, and forgive, and this comes from the daily reflection, uh, Jen. Uh, under trying conditions, I have again and again had to forgive others and also myself. And it's from As Bill Sees It, page 268. Forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others are two currents of the same river, both hindered or shut off completely by the dam of resentment. Once the dam is lifted, both currents can flow. The steps of AA allow me to see how resentment has built up subsequently and blocked off this flow in my life. The steps provide a way in which my resentments may, by the grace of God, as I understand him, be lifted. And as a result of this solution, I can find the necessary grace that enables me to forgive myself and others. Mm. Mm, it's a big one, isn't it? It's a big one, yeah. yeah. Is. Um, how do you summarise that today? <laughs> oh, look, I, how would I summarise that? It's... I, I, I love the wisdom and wording in AA literature. I find it soothing for something that's quite raw inside me sometimes. Uh, it's like a balm that when I read this, I go, you know, that's it. That's what makes sense to me. You, you be careful there, Tony. You'll be writing Hallmark cards soon. Yeah, if you I know. It sounds, a bit, sounds a bit wishy-washy, doesn't it, Jen? <laughs> I, I appreciate that it might sound that way. But in those last days that perhaps I alluded to just before, you know, I was filled with anger and resentment. You know, the world hadn't turned out the way, my life hadn't turned out the way I wanted it. Why was me? The boss didn't understand me. My partner didn't understand me. Nobody could understand me. I couldn't understand me. You know, um, and I was an angry person. Anger anger and resentment are, are the same thing. Um, resentment tends to want to hide, but anger would often pop out, um, particularly with the, the elixir of alcohol on top. Um, you are no longer that fun person running down to dance in front of the stage. Is that what you're No, saying? no, that's right. I, no, no longer were those uh, great times happening. Mm. Um, and I look at that, and I look back at that time, um, and I was carrying all these resentments and all these hurts and, and nursing them and trying to use alcohol uh, to to nullify or numb them. And there was really no way while I was drinking, there was a way really tangibly to, to deal with them. And, I mean, I had people trying to intervene. I had counsellors talking to me, psychologists talking to me, psychiatrists talking to me, to no avail um, because I was still drinking. I wasn't willing to clear my head enough to work on those resentments. Um, I have to say, you just said a word, uh, I wasn't willing. Yeah, I wasn't willing. I I wanted to hold on to the resentments. Um, it, it seemed to be that if I was angry, then I had an excuse to find something to, to numb that. Um, and I knew by the end of my drinking career, alcohol wasn't doing a very good job. Of, of anything anymore in my life. If it started out that way, and that's a big if, it certainly wasn't. Did you find, though, that you were blaming everything but the alcohol? Uh, yeah, alcohol was a saving grace. I thought if I didn't have alcohol, what, how I would... Life would be terrible. Life would collapse, <laughs> because I, how would I get through it? So I blamed the, the boss, I blamed my partner, I blamed the kids, I blamed the job. I blamed, you know, the tax bill. I blamed... Uh, the mortgage, the bank. Yeah, everything. yeah. Something broke down. I, You know, my life sucks. Um, couldn't see that the alcohol was actually... Um, the elixir of all of keeping, that. Keeping it all, all um, my attitude, basically, and my ability to cope with tools. Um, it, it had washed everything away, so I was really a raw nerve by the end of it. And... Um, and I couldn't see the full, true extent where alcoholism and alcohol were causing strife in my life. Now, I'm, this isn't a witch hunt against alcohol. Alcohol has been here since the beginning of time and will continue to do so. It's not going anywhere. So I've made my peace with alcohol a long time ago. Um, but there is something inherently in me when the two connect to my body and me and my mind, something terrible happens. 
uh, and it's called addiction. <laughs> you know, oh, so total really abstinence, it's the only way, only way through it. Where others can have a glass of wine or a beer or a top shelfer, um, and they can do that and perfectly fine and nothing happens. My whole world will start to revolve around that drunk, um, and I cannot stop it. I do not myself have the power to stop it for some reason so do you find that since you've let go, go of those resentments and when you started letting go of those resentments you now no longer have the thought of gosh i could do with a drink yeah that's yeah it, well, it. let me put it into perspective there are still resentments in me there let's put it into a perspective here this isn't like um I don't want you to think that well. My experience in AA is a magical wand comes over <laughs> and I'm instantly cured and healed. Um, I, I call this a lifelong journey. Um, when I staggered into the rooms of AA, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was afraid. I had, I knew I had to do something different. wasn't sure what that was. It's been a little by little sort of journey. It's been a, a journey in talking to other people. Um, it's been a journey in reading literature. It's been a journey. Uh, of counselling, it's been a journey. Um, going to meetings, going to meetings, mm. um, and, and and listening to others um, dealing with this problem that I have. Um, yeah, so in a sense, it's an illness, isn't it? Rather than yeah, I don't see it as a. Oh, yeah, well, you're right. It is a, it's a medical thing. It's a condition. You know, alcoholism is a condition, and I, I have an illness. Um, so I don't want to say that I'm resent free, and uh, I don't want to whitewash that in any any way shape or form the resentments but i had to relieve i had to find a way of relieving those resentments and coming to terms with those resentments and obviously the first thing to do was to sober up was to clear my head i needed to be able to understand and see what i was looking at um i relied on a higher power um to guide me through that stuff to to you know to order what that looked like and in unison with my higher power, um, worked on resentments. There, there's one particular resentment I remember fondly uh, in the sense of when it was dealt with, and I'll, I'll just describe it because it's kind of a textbook one. Um, me and a, a family member weren't getting on and we were starting to argue and, and snipe at each other, and so there was an anger in the middle of stuff. And so um, I got this idea not to push my case forward but to ask the person, how it was for them. And, um, you know, 40 minutes later was the first time I got a word in and there were tears down both their faces. There was a big hurt in the middle of our relationship which had caused us uh, to start to snipe and anger at each other. And for the first time, I truly understood how the other person had felt. And um, we, From your actions? Yes, from yes. my actions, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I talked a little bit about where I was coming from, but mostly listened, you know, um, and it was a life-changing moment, um, and we both hugged and let go of that anger, both of us. And, I mean, I walked out the door that night, and I literally walked out thought I was floating. Yeah, know? wonderful. The weight of that anger had been lifted from me, and perhaps that's a textbook-type uh and I wanted to describe that on air because that that's probably the cleanest one that's happened. Oh yeah, because they are messy. But yeah, it doesn't always happen. Like that. And I and I don't want to. It was really just to to present the idea to others listening. Um, and 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 I know by by confronting that resentment and listening and being as humble as I could and keeping my mouth shut and hearing, trying to listen to another human being on the same topic, um, a great relief was found in both of us. Um, mm. Yeah, and life-changing, and it changed. And I didn't, I've never had to revisit that resentment because it doesn't exist anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what I'm saying is, in, in my sobriety, things bubble up uh, from the depths. And uh, resentments are timeless, so I've discovered. They can sit... For 20 years, 30 years. Oh, my gosh, yes. They can shape me and what I say and how I react more than respond to circumstances and not be known and not know why. And I, I think, you know, that's where the 12 steps have come into their own and on my behalf. It has helped me um, 
begin to take that process of stock take about where I've been, what I've seen. Uh, it's 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 helped me to begin that process of talking about stuff that I've rather or I've been told by others that nobody wants to hear. Um, uh, you know, and 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 with that old ingredient, time. Time is very a precious commodity in recovery as well. Um, you know, I have. I am along on that that um, timeline of of recovery and resentments. But I'm not saying I'm cured. I'm not saying. Um, oh gosh, no! I mean, I, you can still have daily resentments. I think the difference is, as you get through your journey, is that you have the tools to, to be able to let go yeah. and not let them fester and become a boil that's going to pop later on. Whether that be, like you say, a week, ten years. 15 years, 30 years, it is released. We have, I must say to for myself coming into AA, it's one of the tools that has been a real game changer mm. for me and the understanding of what resentments can do mm. and the damage they can do to us and how we live with them and they fester. Anyway, on that note, we're going to go and listen to another song. So enjoy this one. Wonderful, wonderful bit of music. Thank you. And well, just before that, we were talking about our resentments, and not resentments moves on to forgiveness for ourselves and for others. For myself, I still have uh, forgiveness to give myself. <clears throat> I've given so much forgiveness for things of my resentments. What about yourself, Tony? Yeah, forgiveness is a hard one. Um, it's hard. I found forgiving myself harder than forgiving others yes. in my life. Yeah, when I first sobered up, I, I, I've heard this from others, so I don't think it's star trekking. Um, the problem with sobering up, I've found, is that you can begin to see reality. There's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a problem in seeing reality because a lot of things that I looked around were broken and um, 
you know, I could see relationships that were damaged and, and um, loss, loss of property, loss of, you know, whatever, debt, and um, things look quite bleak. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, other than to say that, you know, it didn't drive me back into the booth, but could have. Um, and so there was a lot of work to do. It's a lot of work to actually you know, go through your resentments. Yeah. I couldn't have done done mine alone with the AA program. I have still in counselling therapy for that. But uh, because they do become all-encompassing of our lives. Yeah, I, I believe that we need to do this thing together. You know what I mean? We do it with, with it's it's too much to do it by yourself. And I mean, I look back on, on, on numerous attempts of trying to get away from the booze and drugs, um, and I couldn't do it because I was trying to do it on my own. I definitely needed to do this with others and more higher power um, to to help make sense of it. I think there was a real breakthrough in helping me forgive myself. Basically, uh, when I started to realise that it was a sickness that I was crook. Mm. When I could finally understand that um, there were overriding factors in my behaviour that I really had lost control of, it didn't mean that I wasn't responsible. Um, I'm always responsible for my behaviour, but there were mitigating circumstances and and what was happening because of the addiction. And um, I, when I started to see it more as a medical condition, um, as a you know, as a, as it is, alcoholism, yeah. Um, yes. I it began, is a medical illness. I began to find a pathway where I could actually forgive myself and some of those behaviours. Um, you know, a part of that too was a biggie was uh, fronting up to my kids, mm. and I found that really hard. Um, and I remember sitting with them both, and also I was getting a bit formal and serious, and um, I was going to have this massive speech about all the years of drunkenness and all this sort of stuff, and. Um, and um, my oldest son stopped me and says, you know, Dad, I think we're just glad that you're well. I think it's just a huge relief. And I got the giggles because that's all they wanted to know. <laughs> well, they lived it. They didn't need to relive it. That's right. And um, so <laughs> I, here I am carrying the weight of everything. that, And to be forgiven like that for my kids uh, was a huge step forward for me. Um, and it almost – and. and reinforced that I can actually look out and forgive myself, you know, um, for me personally. Um, you Don't know. you think you still, look, I have to say, you can still jump into that zone. I find myself saying to my son, oh, something will come into my memory that happened and I'll say, you know, I'm just thinking about this and I'm really sorry that I did that and I'll talk yeah. about it. And he will remember a piece of it but not the piece that I had that's so enormous. No, no, huge that's right. drama in my Children head. are incredibly <laughs> forgiven. That's what I, I've heard that, but I've seen it in action, so I do I do thoroughly believe that. Um, you know, for my two, they just wanted, they'd seen their dad sick. Mm. And so this this idea that I'd been really crook, um, you know, at, at, at home, um, and they were just so pleased to see their father present and sober. Um so we'll be struggling, but but you know, but mm. but there and um and so I mean this doesn't just affect ourselves. This affects people around us. And, exactly. And, um, and so you know, part of uh, of dealing with stuff is actually uh, having a pathway where we have to forgive others and ourselves um, and move on. Just sidetracking on something you said earlier was the illness side of it. And I don't think we probably talk about that enough. Mm. But one of the reliefs I had when I walked into the rooms of AA was you have an illness, Jan. Mm. Uh, you're not crazy. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not in the state for no good reason. I thought I had done it all, you know, it was, yeah. it, but it turned out that, yes, I'm actually allergic to yeah, yeah. alcohol. I, I, I've been poisoning myself for 30-something years <laughs> that I have an illness, and it still fascinates me to this day, like any any illness, you know, why does it choose that person and why doesn't it choose that person? You know, you have friends, they say, well, one in four women will get cancer. And, and I've had my friends who have had that. I haven't been the one in four knock on wood yet. 
but I have had an illness. Yeah, exactly. And it's with me forever. That's right. It's a, it's an incurable one. So what I get is I get a reprieve. I mm. get a, I get a daily reprieve. I get a, a remission, if you like. I like the word remission. Um, I have relapsed enough times to know. I've heard people say who don't quite understand addiction in the sense of what of alcoholism, saying, "Oh well, you know, you, you've been ten years now. You probably have a drink, yeah." Yes. Or the other one um, is quite, I hear term is, oh, but your life's more balanced. And with balance, you should be able to, you know. Handle That's right. Yes. Just have one. And you know, I have these (laughs) terrible experiences of relapse, which have taught me that there is no amount of time that when I put alcohol in any form into my body, uh, all bets are off. There's a a transformation that takes place. Yes. Um, It's a craving that is. Yes. Insatiable that has no reasoning behind it. And so the only way to stop that is to have total abstinence uh, from that uh, on a daily basis. And that's what I'm practicing. And so far, I've, um, I've, it's it's been the best thing I've ever done. Um, Yeah, do not pick up the first drink. But of course, Um, when you sober up, you're left with all these thoughts of feeling bad and mad. you know, when you have crazy, to live life without you know, numbing yourself, yeah. it is so bizarre learning to live life when, when I sober. Yeah, and when I discovered it was an illness, it, it just it gave me, I, I could accept that. Mm, I was so. in, I was absolute crook. And so that led to my thinking that if I was sick, then I could get well, you know, and so that's been a powerful way to, um, in finding forgiveness. And I'm still finding forgiveness in myself, you know, it's. It's a bit like resentment. It doesn't all happen at once. Normal magic wands waved over. It's usually experiences that you know external experiences can apply pressure on me, and I start to go, Ooh, you know, and I start to realise that. And that's my high power working. That's how I see things. Yes. Um, okay, it's time to deal with something if I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable in pain. Um, and it's a good thing. Pain, I've come to see, is a good thing. Well, it, it means something me that, isn't right. That's what it reminds mm-hmm. me now that. Something we have to deal with and sort out, as opposed to uh, numb and get rid of the mask and hide. And, yeah. yeah, and the, I find too through that the one of the biggest things I've learned. Well, at times, well before AA, I would think, well, I can fix that quickly with one bottle. Oh no, two, no, three bottles. It'll be fine. But actually, now when I go through that period of discomfort. The time can be less than it took me to drink three bottles of wine. Yeah, exactly. Or a bottle of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and if I just put my mind to it and concentrate on it and sort it out, mm. it actually can be over in five minutes mm. if I get use the tools that I've been taught properly. Well, if I do it the alcoholic way, meaning I have to drink to see my problems out, I have to keep on going back to it and back to it and back to it and back to it. But if I do it the 12-step, way, then I do it once and it's dealt with. Exactly. And I may have to remind myself that it's dealt with, but it's dealt with and I don't have to keep going back and back and back and back repetitively because it has, it's finished, it's it's gone and I have to live in it. I live in the freedom of that. That is so true. Um, You know, so uh, It's quite an amazing program, isn't it? Oh, it is. When uh, we look at it like that. It is, you know, and and every time I do something like that and I don't always, you know what I mean. I don't always. This isn't. A, it's not. This isn't um, psychology. I'm not talking psychology. Often I don't know what's happening, and then one day, a high power may go. Well, let's see how far you've come, and I get a chance to look behind me. And go, wow. Uh, actually, that's quite a surprise. And because you're sober, the, you can see what you've that's achieved right, yes. and what you've done. But most of the time, it's just through ordinary life, doing ordinary things. Um, and living reasonably comfortable, or if I'm in pain, that I know I've got tools that I can help deal with that. You know, whatever those tools are, ringing a friend up and talking, or going to a meeting, or well, whatever me, those tools are that I need to do. Yes, even the, this last month I've been uh, unwell, recovering from COVID, and I have been able to see the kind gestures and thoughts of other people who have done things for me and my son, who have offered help, who have offered food, who have offered their time. And I've actually been able to understand 
the personal gift that they're giving me. Whereas there was a time when I would have thought I was justified and should have received that. Now I understand actually (laughs) that didn't have to happen for me, but I was so lucky and blessed that it did happen for me. I I have been really quite unwell and I haven't felt alone because I've had people come around and ring me constantly and check and Mm. these are things that while I was uh, an active alcoholic, I would have been sitting there going, well, why haven't they rung me? How dare they not rung me? And I would have worked myself into a resentment because I wouldn't have been getting the care I thought I deserved, whereas I've been able to sit back and look and be incredibly grateful for the treasured souls around me. It's been lovely. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that's part of the, the learning about sobering up is realising. I mean, we live in towns and cities for a purpose. We live in community. We're designed to live in community. We're designed to live together. We're not designed to be an island on our own. And um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, in the last days of drinking, I was a continent on my own drinking. Yes, same. Because I had to hide, um, you know, everywhere I turned, people were having a go, or that's what I thought. Yes. People were trying to intervene because I was on the <laughs> skates. But uh, um, but I, I saw it completely different because I was very, very crook. What we see now, or what I'm seeing now, is right. We're in fellowship. We're in, you know, people do care. They actually care. They, I'm not just an apparition. Yes. You know, <laughs> people want to know how I'm doing, you know, and I can ask because I'm feeling okay too. How others are doing, you know, um, and. And yeah, it's lovely to be there for others and to that's right. it's a, be it's a, a recipient of others. That's right. It's not a one way. It's a, it's a two way street. It and, is. Um, it's nice to be a part of that. You know, uh, I've been through experiences where um, I thought my friends, when I was down for the count, particularly sobering up, um, because I crashed like many of us do, um, found myself in hospital and. Um, you know, the ones that I thought would visit didn't, and uh, I was to- almost, I was totally surprised by some of the people that were at my bedside, you know, uh, and it just, it gave me an idea that I really didn't know what Well, I have to say, look, the program for me has given me a life I didn't think I was going to get, and I've still got a lot of learning to do, and I am incredibly blessed and grateful for what I have today and how I see my relationships with others and with the world in general. I mean, you know, even here we are tonight on radio, um, as an active alcoholic and if you're out there listening you will know what I'm talking about Um, whether you can stand the jitters and it could be the afternoon it comes on while you're at work Uh, can't wait to get to home or the pub or a space where you can have that first top shelf or a glass of wine or open that first beer you know what I mean on a daily basis um, you know and that craving and if that didn't happen the sky was going to fall and the lip dropped I was upset oh look you've taken me instantly back to when I was living if that's happening to you tonight I'm glad you're listening in you know know, the the world had stopped and and, um, you know well it's not like that tonight obviously because here I am talking to you guys (laughs) Um, and I'm fine I'm having a great time and thinking back to that person that just could not leave it alone uh, and walk over broken glass and, Mm. and, and lava to get that first drink to stop that horrible, those horrible uh, jitters. Uh, you know, um, the broken works, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it just Look, works if you want it to. The whole idea of the insanity of what alcoholism can do to you and resentments, I actually resented Auckland. Auckland? <laughs> Auckland. The whole city. The whole city because yeah. when I lived there, I'd be at work and my justice would come in the afternoon and I'd be thinking, great, as soon as I get out of work, I'll walk down the road and I'll have a drink and I'll meet some people. Great, wonderful. Yeah. They all go home and they everybody goes home from work and they get dressed up and changed and they come in back into town about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and I would be sitting in the bar on my own thinking, what is wrong with you people? Yes. You know, yeah. and how insane is that? Oh, well, Auckland wasn't my city. Yes. How dare they? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and by the time they'd say, well, we'll meet you at nine, Jan, and I'd say, oh, that's far too late because I'd be at home drinking much more by then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because 
I needed to, to go be able to mail. fall over and get my own home uh, because I would have had my skin full. So I mean, that is just the craziness of alcoholism, the well, insanity of it. I Obviously, I don't have that. I was waking up in jail cells um, and I would have vague recollections of flashing lights and it was like ghosts coming in and out of my mind, the power of booze and the scary, absolutely terrifying, locked in a box, going, how did I end up here? Not remembering quite what you're there for, having to ask the cop, hey, uh, can you tell me what, what you know, um, they're just shaking their head at you going, what a, what a mess. What a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Which we already thought of yeah, ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah, there's probably plenty out there that was going, yeah, thank you. Um, but, you know, and waking up on in hospital, waking up in A&E, um, going the same thing, not not knowing. Well, what yeah. did you do, Tony, when you woke up? Did I, you leave and go off to get a drink? Yeah, yeah, yes. it didn't stop me. I just thought, gee, I need a drink more than ever. Yeah, exactly. Quite, quite, quite what a night. What an ordeal. How dare I wake up in there? I yeah, just get a drink. It didn't, didn't deter me. Um, you know, and you it's, just, you know, the craziness of it. Um, it's an insane illness, that's for sure. You know, um, and terrified, not quite knowing if I killed somebody. If, uh, you know, no. Oh, the blackouts is another day for another discussion, yeah, Tony. It's an absolutely another discussion. We're going to go to a song, give you all a little bit of relief. <laughs> we'll be back momentarily. De alto cedro voy para Macané, llego a puerto voy para Mayarín. Welcome back. We are now going to read a couple of letters from friends in the fellowship who have been kind enough to share their thoughts and actions in the AA magazine called Mainstay. And Tony, I believe you've got an interesting letter. Yes, okay. So uh, bear with me, people. I'm not the world's greatest uh, narrator, um, but let's see what happens. My name is James and I am an alcoholic. I recently heard the question, how do you know when you have accepted the first step? This got me thinking, how did I know when I accepted the first step of my life? I used to think that by coming along to meetings and saying, my name is James and I'm an alcoholic, I was doing what the first step asked of me and admitting that I'm powerless over alcohol and my life has become unmanageable. When all I was doing was voicing it, that along with staying away from that first drink was probably sufficient for a while. But there comes a time 
to move on and I never moved on. I think that acceptance is like most things uh, for me in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, was a gradual process brought on by pain. I initially thought that my life was unmanageable because I drank too much, a drinking problem. But after staying dry for a while, I learned that I drank too much and became my life had become unmanageable. Um, alcoholism and the solution for drinking, a drinking problem is don't drink, but the solution to alcoholism, as I'm still learning, is action. Sobriety taught me what alcohol couldn't. That, and that was the f- reasons that I drank was to escape the paralyzing effects that I have had all my life. Feelings of difference, inadequacy, fear, guilt, remorse, anger, and resentment, etc. I was to learn that when I just don't drink and go to meetings, my alcoholism will show up disguised as out of whack emotions. Once I heard a member say that they thought that feelings were facts, and that's exactly what I did. I did not only I not only thought that they were facts. I lived my life by these lies, inside and out AA. And if that doesn't lead to a life of unmanageability, I don't know what does. I got to a point described by a member, uh, described by a member far wiser than me where I knew that if I drink, I am in a lot of trouble, and if I don't drink, I am in a lot of trouble. Yeah. (laughs) I think that I can get the best gauge of acceptance by what I had in my life and by by the actions I started to take. I got a sponsor, a home group, a big book, commitments, and I began to show up early and stay late at meetings. These things today are still a major part of my mission of powerless and unmanageability in conjunction with the other 11 steps. I firmly believe that this fatal illness of ours doesn't care about what I say, it only cares about what I do. I have heard members say how they wrote out their first step, and I have no problem with that. But I know from the alcoholic of my time that I need to act out my first step, and I've, I had to finally surrender to these pathetic actions that bore no relation to any real problems that I've faced in my life. I've always liked the saying that we act a way to well thinking. We don't, and we don't think our way to well actions. I have discovered that through the step that alcohol is a symptom, as described by the book, and that is why the third step prayer I didn't have to ask God to keep me from drinking. I had to ask him to relieve me from the bondage of self. And that was a long, it was a long time before I realized that that was the first 40-odd pages of the book uh, talked about my drinking, and the next 85 talked about my thinking. I've always learned through sponsorship and fellowship that there are ways, there are always being far more wrong with me than I, than I drink too much and too often. I've been able to see my alcoholism through sharing with other members. I think the acceptance of the first step began for me when I stopped telling and started asking. Uh, may your new year be filled with happiness, oh. joy, freedom, and one day at a time. Lovely. Uh, that was written by James. So thank you, James. Um, That's an interesting thing, that, that growth that you slowly see in yourself as you go hmm. and realise that your drinking is just a part of it. It's our thinking. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it's, it's, it's what people see, uh, but it's not what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I have a wonderful letter here from a lady by the name of Marie, and she's headed it up with hope at the end of the row. I used to think that maybe a change of scene and company would help my drinking to be reasonably respectable. So I moved and moved leaving a trail of all kinds of drinking events behind me. Then I thought that maybe if I studied psychology, I would learn how to control my drinking, and better still, I would be able to help change everyone who needed to improve themselves. I don't know if my diagnostic and so-called therapeutic advice, bellowed and cryptic slurs between gulps of wine and beer, was very well received in crowded bars. I nearly always blew my I've got it together cover by falling into blackouts and doing things like dancing on tables with not a lot of clothes on. Soon I was hoping that 
maybe I would just grow out of heavy drinking. If only I could meet the right man who would sort me out and control my drinking. If only I could have a good time on one or two drinks. I did try, but maybes kept me drunk, and if onlys were always very lonely. AA was the end of the road, and I thought I was never going to have fun again. Not that I was having much fun anyway. I felt estranged from my family and friends. They didn't want to know me. My boyfriend left me, etc., etc., and I knew that my drinking was out of control. Instead of doom and gloom, I found a fellowship that promised relief, comfort and hope. Here were people who could laugh without needing to be drunk or stoned. I wanted whatever they had. I jumped on my so-called pink cloud, still clutching old attitudes and professing to have all the steps in my heart. I took myself overseas. During a geographical, hmm, chasing lost dreams, hmm, searching for an easier, softer man. Mm-hmm. At three and a half months of vain sobriety, I felt very full of myself and I went about telling everybody about me and how they could be like me. With this wonderful new sense of me, I didn't need to go to meetings. My big book never saw the light of day. It stayed in my suitcase along with all the other unnecessary items which seemed so essential to pack at the time. My little daily readings book got nudged further and further under my bed, out of sight, out of mind. And, of course, I just got too busy or too tired to pray. After a series of social drinking occasions, I thought it only polite to tell my sponsor back home that I was not an alcoholic after all. And I found myself in pubs telling friends how great AA was and that I really needed it to grow up. I was congratulating myself that I wasn't an alcoholic because I was now able to control my drinking. And I did. And I did. And then I didn't. And then I was going to the pub straight after work to get drunk. This is the insanity of alcoholism for me. Despite having previous knowledge of the cunning, baffling and powerful disease of alcoholism, I slipped back into abusive use and justified my behaviour. Looking back, I believe I needed those last drinks and that by the grace of God I survived one particular night that saw me back into AA's doors, shaky, frightened and very humiliated. This time I realised drinking meant life or death. And when I resisted AA, it was insanity or sanity. So much has happened in early sobriety. I notice I feel different. And people close notice a change in me too. Working the steps as best I can, trusting God and accepting myself as a fellow among fellows. No way near perfect, but willing to grow towards better days with no more maybes and lonely if onlys. I have to say, I read that letter and I thought, yes, it's, that uh, is a story I've heard many a time in our rooms. Yeah. That we do go out and we research more because we think we can do it in a controlled manner. So anybody out there listening, if you think that, that you know, you recognise either James or Marie and yourself, please come and visit us in the rooms. Um, there's no... Membership fees to join AA. All you want, to, all you need to want to do is give up drinking, hmm. or look at how you can. Well, that's yeah. membership, isn't it? That it's is a desire. It's not it's even a that desire. you have to. Yeah. Have to you know, it's better if you turn up uh, without drinking, but yeah. it's a desire. <laughs> it's a desire to, to stop drinking. That's uh, right. The criteria for membership. Yeah, you've reached that place of desperation where you know you need to give it up. So yeah, come on, come in and sit in a meeting. Start the journey with us. I'd like you to thank you for spending the evening with us and thank you, Tony, for taking the time, coming in, chatting with me, being so open and honest about your journey and where you're going and, and how life is with you. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's thank a pleasure you. being here. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Yeah. No, it's been great. Thank you. So, folks, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, come to a meeting. Come in. We can help. 
uh, in Dunedin alone, we have 14 meetings a week. We've got lunchtime meetings and evening ones. Please check our website on aa.org.nz. There you will find lists of meetings across the whole of New Zealand showing times and places. There are also Zoom meeting details there as well, so if you're preferring the privacy of your home, you can still go to a meeting. If you need to reach out for help, please do not hesitate to call us on 0800 AA Works. That's 0800 229 This phone line is operated by Alcoholics for Alcoholics. So please give us a call. We'll answer the phone and we can direct you and help guide you to the right place. You can also contact us by writing to PO Box 6115, Dunedin North, at Dunedin 9059. And lucky last, we have a web address here for Otago, AA Otago Intergroup. That is AAOtago, or one word, dot NZ. So we're going to finish with the song this evening. Thank you, Tony. Thank you again. Wonderful. Take care of yourselves out there, folks. Hopefully we'll see you in a meeting sometime soon. Program of action. Absolutely. Matiwa, everyone. Until next time. Soldiers passing by, listening to the wind of change.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.